0: Everybody and welcome to New Consciousness Review Radio. We have another fascinating guest today who just might change your perspective of how the world works. I'm your host Miriam Knight and our guest today is Howard Falco, a spiritual teacher and author specializing in the power of the mind as it relates to the creation of the experience of life. Howard was a successful investment manager and a family man, who began to question the meaning of his life. He had a spontaneous and extraordinary expansion of mind in response, which led to a shift in consciousness that opened him up to answers to many of humanity's most persistent questions like, Who am I? Why am I here? And why do I suffer? He recorded his experience in a truly breakthrough book called, I Am, The Power of Discovering Who You Really Are. Howard, welcome. I am so happy to have you on the show.
1: Well, thank you very much, Miriam, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Your book is such a rich source of food for thought that I can just see you, that you poured your heart and mind into it. Can you start by telling us about this extraordinary experience you had? What was it like?
1: Well, it um, it was scary at first when at the point at which the questions came, which started this whole journey for me. Um, and when I say scary, I mean I had gotten to the point where I had ran out of answers in my mind to what it takes to become truly happy in life. Um, I had a very happy marriage, two wonderful children, a job I was content with at the time. And I always felt like I had to, had to do more, be more, and have more. And I thought it was the accumulation of the last thing I needed. And one day it hit me like a ton of bricks that money wasn't going to be the answer because I already had so many of the things that money couldn't buy. The relationship with my family and my wife, uh, my health, uh, many other relationships in life that just couldn't be bought with money. And so I got very scared. I said, okay, if that's not the answer, then I'm out. I don't know what the answer is anymore. And that's when I asked these very, very deep and intense questions about what are we doing here? What's the purpose of life? Um, Why do some people suffer and some people experience joy in their lives? And I asked with a deep intensity. And basically, Miriam, I went back into my life. And through the course of my daily walk, those answers started to make their way straight into my awareness. And that was the beginning.
0: Were you particularly spiritual before this happens? Why do you think it happened to you?
1: Well, that's a great question, and one of the most exciting things about my experience is that I was not spiritual at all. I didn't even know what spirituality really meant. I thought maybe it was connected to religion. I wasn't religious at all. Um, I had not formed any concept of the idea of what God meant. Um, I was just very open to discovering more about life. But there was no resume behind me, which was one of the most, the most exciting thing, because then I could go out and tell everybody else that you don't have to have a resume behind you either. You just have to be ready.
0: Hmm. What impact has this experience had on your life?
1: Well, it's impacted me in, in every imaginable way possible. It's, it's impacted every single relationship that I have in the world in, in such an enhanced and more loving way. Um, it's enhan- enhanced my daily walk, and it's enhanced the love that I have for life and for this universe that I've realized is always here to support me on my journey as it is for every other human being and really everything in matter, whether it's a plant or an animal. It's a self-fulfilling, self-sustaining universe. And that has produced such an incredible sense of gratitude and love that is really beyond words. So it's had a tremendous impact in, in, In so many different ways and of course now putting this material out through the book and being able to share this with the world um i can't even it's it's beyond words to
0: describe so how how did this teaching get revealed to you and what Mm -hmm. would you say is its core message
1: well the teaching got revealed to me um I was, uh, interestingly enough, two weeks after I asked those very intense questions, I was in a seminar for the finance business, which I was in, where a gentleman was talking about the nature of your beliefs as it relates to what you experience in the financial markets as it relates to trading markets. And I was fascinated by this because no one had really taken this angle on it. And I started to look at, as he was teaching the class about your beliefs as it relates to trading I was looking at the beliefs as it relates to my entire life and all the decisions, choices, actions, thoughts, and feelings that I have in life. And what hit me was that I am in charge of my happiness at every single moment by what I believe to be true and how I frame my experience. And this sent me into this incredible state of bliss where I realized it's up to me. Even more importantly, I realized that this information was directly connected to the questions that I had asked two weeks earlier. And I was astonished by this. I could not believe that i had asked a question. And through the, the daily coincidence, if you will, of my life, the information made its way in. Um, just like it may be doing right now for many people who are listening to this. It's no different. So, um, I did the only thing that one could do after they realized that, which is I started to ask a lot more questions realizing that if I was just present, not forcing the issue, but just present, amazing things would, would work their way into my reality uh, or, or would show up that were always there, but maybe I wasn't ready to see because I hadn't connected the dots yet. So I started asking more questions and I had a second experience four months later um, where many of these much bigger questions, the it all rushed in at once. And, The whole experience is in the introduction in the book, but um, it was uh, uh, an overwhelming moment that took roughly two years to process. (laughs) Wow! Yeah,
0: like a like a download.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, but no time. It was. It was all instantaneous. It was Mm -hmm. a time had collapsed between question and answer at this second experience in December. And um, again, it's sort of a beyond words. Uh, to describe the experience at the moment but what was so exciting again was um, the understanding that everyone is worthy and capable of experiencing the same information and that's what really drove me to write the book and, and share the information and then I'm sorry you asked a second part to your question um, what was the, the experience like the, yeah the, the core teaching if, oh, it's, if I could sum it up Um, is love who you are. See the perfection in every single moment of your life because it's been nothing but perfection uh, that's led you to this very perfect moment right now. And I think as you can do that more, as you can see that perfection and learn to love yourself more, um, the world of possibilities for you in every desire, in every aspect of your life, in everything you're looking to enrich or experience just opens wide and you start a whole new set of thoughts, feelings, and actions that lead you to honor more of this love that you now feel for yourself.
0: You know, for a lot of people, they are not comfortable in their own skin and, and loving themselves is probably their biggest challenge or feeling that they are worthy of being loved.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, so, so that's a biggie. Um, you also say in the book that what matters to you is a reflection of who you believe you are. So is that a clue that we can use to, to, to get a start on loving ourselves? That's, or
1: that's, Yeah, that's an excellent point, Miriam. Um, uh, yes, exactly. Uh, because here's the way that I experienced works. Who you believe that you are based on the limitations that you've put on yourself or the lack of self-love is everything that your ego goes out to try and validate as true. So if you believe yourself unworthy of love, you will purposely put yourself in a relationship with somebody who will demonstrate that back to you so that you can get the validation of that experience. So your ego is really your best friend in life. It's there to serve you in every truth that you hold about yourself. But the beautiful thing about that is once you realize that, you can see through the experience of your reality what you believe to be true. So now that you know what you believe to be true because of what you're experiencing, finally you have the opportunity to decide whether or not that truth still serves you. And that's the moment of transformation when you decide no. This may have served me all my life up to this point and created X amount of suffering, but do I want to continue this experience? Am I ready to open up to a new idea of who I am? Because the moment that you do embrace that, the moment that you do open up to that possibility, your ego as the actor that sticks perfectly to your script will go out there and now honor you in an entirely new way if you're ready for it.
0: Uh, Well, I I actually wanted to discuss your view of the ego a little more in depth because you have a different take than most people. Mm -hmm. Can you expand on the role of the ego in your scheme? Sure. Uh, There's a
1: couple different acronyms I use for the ego. The one in the book is um, uh, uh, the actor that sticks perfectly to the script, that it goes out to validate what you believe to be true. Or you could even say ego is energy goes out. So it's all the energy that you exert into the world through your thoughts, feelings, and actions, the conditions that give rise to your experiences. So every choice you make in every relationship and every experience brings you something that ends up attempting to validate what you believe to be true. And when you are in conflict, when when your ego is having a hard time validating what you believe to be true in the world, that's when suffering occurs, So when you suffer, you can see where your ego is having a hard time validating, maintaining, or ensuring that your truths are real. And so you have two choices. You can continue to work hard to manipulate reality to conform to what you believe to be true, or you can accept the truth as it is, which immediately puts you back in a harmonious state. Then you're in the most powerful state to work from there to create what you like. So... To sum up, the ego to me is the mechanism that takes mind and turns it into matter. Hmm. That takes the idea of I and turns it into am. And when we do mm. that, we're at total peace.
0: Howard, you say that um, the, the essence of all creation... I I love the way you put it. The most powerful declaration in the universe is I am. Tell us why this is so powerful and how does it actually affect our reality?
1: Well, you can look at this um, at any stage of matter, okay? So if we took the simplest, now it doesn't declare it. When I say this about the simplest, and I'm going to talk about, let's take a rock or a boulder, okay? Okay. It's not saying I am in the same way that a human being has a conscious awareness of that. But it is saying I am through the frequency that its atoms and molecules are spinning at to exhibit itself as a rock, as a particular type of rock or boulder, okay? So that is its expression of I am. Now, if you don't believe that a rock or a boulder has a will, To declare itself so, pick one up and try and break it in half with your hands. So there's a certain threshold of tolerance that's demonstrating that I am. It's the same thing with a plant where the I am is in the seed. I am an apple tree or a specific, a Macintosh apple tree. And it demonstrates that throughout the course of its existence. It's the same thing with an animal. And it's the same thing with a human being. Now, what's important about us, since that's who we're speaking about right now, is what you believe to be true is what drives your every thought and action in life. And so why it's important, Miriam, is as it relates to what your intent is right now. So if you're at total peace right now, then there's nothing to do, and there's no questions that will be asked. But if there's things you want to learn more about, if there's sufferings you want to end in certain aspects of your life, if there's creative desires that you're looking to manifest for yourself, then those I am's become very important to discover through the process of self-awareness. Because you will unearth, when you dig them out, where they are limiting you or expanding time as it relates to those ultimate desires. And when you discover what they are and begin to change them, you begin to collapse time and shorten the time frame as it relates to creating what you desire. So that's why they're so vitally important to understand that it is the driver of all existence. And it, it even goes back biblically, uh, that that statement, uh, I think it was from Exodus, I am then I am. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is...
0: That, th- that was the way God defined uh, himself to Moses on the top of Mount right. Sinai.
1: Right, which pretty much covers infinity. So... Um, it was perfectly expressed in those writings.
0: Tell us what the relationship is between our emotions and our creative energy. How, mm-hmm. how do they help us?
1: Well, the emotional system is designed to help us stay in what we feel is balanced for ourselves. So when we get to a place on our walk of life where we have an overabundance of positive energy flowing through us. For example, uh, we uh, win money in the lotto or our sports team wins a championship or, um, you know, the, the political candidate we like wins. We have an abundance of positive energy flowing through us. And when it exceeds the capacity that we're used to, our emotional system is the way that it gets us back in balance because it uses it like a catharsis where it flows through and out the emotions. So joy, happy, screaming, yelling, jumping up and down. And in cases when a city wins a championship, it's so uncontrollable that they turn over cars and and break windows and start fires in the attempt to get back to balance. Uh, Because most people aren't used to that much success in their daily walk. So They've got to get themselves back to who they are by shedding that energy. The same thing works on the negative side. When we experience something that is in disharmony with what we believe to be true, on the negative side, for example, someone in our family who find out uh, suddenly passes away or a breakup of a relationship um, or our sports team loses, everything goes to the other side of the spectrum, the negative side. We feel downtrodden and, and depressed is the expression we use, and we cry And we pound our fists in an effort to get out that negative energy to bring us back to a tolerable state of balance. So it's a perfect system that helps us maintain our our, our walk in life of balance. And everybody's got a different threshold um, Uh of where that happens.
0: One of the things I didn't quite understand in that table was it sounded like you were saying that um, all of Well, you know, it's like a pendulum coming to rest in the center, um, not really feeling comfortable at any of the extremes. Now, can we move our own kind of center of gravity more into the happy side, or is it always desirable to have it at that point of peace and lack of emotion or relative lack of emotion?
1: Uh, it depends on intent, but that's an excellent question because everybody's point is different. So there's some people that grew up in a very depressed household that think that that's normal. So to not feel depressed is to be out of balance. So the minute they feel at peace or the minute they feel some sort of joy, joy, they will sabotage it in order to get back to their point of what they believe, where they believe they are, who they are. Same thing with someone who's generally buoyant and joyful if they're you know, any sort of, of, of negative energy, they, they have to get back to that joyful state. Now, I pointed out the balance point because if the intent is to open to more clarity and to see more possibility and to bring in more knowledge and information from this infinite river that exists before us, that is the intention, to get to that point of balance, to be in the non-emotional state or what's called the zone. In sports, that's where your optimal performance comes in. In dealing with financial markets, that's where you see everything perfectly. In relationships, that's where you can actually understand your partner the best and, be in the, and, and work to be in the most harmony. So that place has its purpose depending on your intent. But yes, once you do understand that, and I've experienced this in my own life, now, the wave of shifting emotions going from negative to positive has changed to where it's very slightly and in a very small time frame negative and much more in joy or happiness. When I experience joyful, happy things, I let myself flow to that place. But when I need to be at peace or when it serves me to be there, I can be there. So I've changed the flow or the, let's call it the frequency of my energy um, to learn how to experience life in a more joyful state most of the time.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, you say that in order to change our outer reality, we must change our inner reality. Is that connected to this process?
1: Yes, absolutely. And the inner reality is the way that you look at yourself and the way you see yourself in relationship to the world because that's the driver of everything. That's where the statement I am comes from in every aspect. So the more that you can change that, the more every thought and action as directed by your ego goes out to create new conditions to change your outer experience, to match.
0: Why don't you give us some examples of using the I am statements? How do you apply them to yourself, for example?
1: Well, let's say uh, you've gone through a series of relationships that haven't been fruitful or haven't been fulfilling. So you would have to look at what it is that you're serving. And obviously, if you felt that you haven't been good enough or they haven't been good enough for you, then maybe the I am statement is, I'm not worthy of someone that would bring me joy or I'm not worthy of being loved in, in a way. So that's it's really so
0: an implicit, it's an implicit statement. It's, it's effectively your belief about yourself at the moment.
1: That's correct. But once you realize what has been driving your experience, You can question what keeps that truth real for you. Well, when I was younger, my mother told me this, or I had a relationship once where my boyfriend or girlfriend said this to me, you're not worth anything, or, you know, you're not pretty, or you're not handsome. And I believe that to be true. So the question to ask yourself, if you're looking for a more fulfilling relationship, do you want to carry that truth now? Can you see the beauty, and can you see your perfection, and can you see that you've never made a mistake in your life, that it's all been just one long series of learning experiences? And that, hey, if we could do better, we would have. The only moment you have Mm -hmm. is this one. So can you see the perfection that you're offered in this moment? Can you embrace it? How would it feel to feel a joyful relationship? How would it feel to be really loved? And for a lot of people who've never experienced that, it can seem scary because the mind wants to gravitate to what's comfortable and known because it believes that that's where existence is until we realize that we can exist in something different, in something more beautiful. And we're willing to take that leap of faith. So that's how the I am's are important to understand, to bring to the surface, and then to change. Mm-hmm. And there's an exercise in the back of the book, as an I am worksheet for, for this process exactly.
0: Please stay tuned, we're gonna to go to break now, and right after the break we'll be back with Howard Falco.
2: I am Bruce Salen, host of the Bruce Salen Show, A Dad's Point of View, inviting you to enjoy the eclectic mix of programming at PWRN, the Positive World Radio Network. PWRN is the premier destination for intelligent conversation, world-class music, and cool jazz. Open your ears and experience the difference at PWRNradio.com. That's PWRNradio.com. Most business owners want to engage in social media, but they think it's difficult, time-consuming, and don't have the knowledge to maximize their presence in Facebook or Twitter. Does that sound like you? If your answer is yes, call Donna Kerr. She will be your expert in taking the hassle out of social media. For a free one-half-hour consultation, call Donna at 951-672-2968 or visit www.donnakerr.com today. The
3: 2nd Street Dreams Audio Network is delighted to be a partner with Positive World Radio to bring you new pages. I'm Judeline Lilley. So, who's written a new book, and what's it about?
2: My name is Shelley Shepard Gray, and the book I'll be discussing is called The Caregiver.
3: The Caregiver's subtitle might be an Amish love story or an inspirational romance.
2: The story is mainly about um, a gal named Lucy Troyer. She is Amish. She is on a train heading to Geauga County to be a caregiver for her cousin Maddie, who um, is recovering uh, from breast cancer. turns out Lucy has quite a story. She um, is a widow. She has survived an abusive marriage, and years ago Maddie had been her caregiver, giving her strength. Uh, Lucy falls in love again, and uh, but it's also a, a tale of two women who have survived some very difficult things and have helped each other through them.
3: Author Shelley Shepard Gray, who is not Amish, says she's fascinated by the community. The book is The Caregiver. New Pages is supported by Cruise Creative, video production and motion graphics at crewscreative.com. I'm Judd Lilly on the Second Street Dreams Audio Network. You're listening to the voice of Planet Earth, the Positive World Radio
0: Network. And we're back again with our guest Howard Falco, the author of I Am. Howard, um, you had a really interesting take on addictions. Tell us how Mm -hmm. you view them.
1: Well, Addictions are the current method of use that one believes is the only path to a more tolerable state of mind. And so it's the, it's the one that's chosen continuously over and over again. What's interesting about it is the state of mind is always temporary. That's why it's an addiction, because they have to constantly use in order to elevate that state of mind. Because the minute that whatever the drug or the experience of choices um, that the addiction is wears off, the mind immediately slips to an intolerable state of mind, which then again drives the person back to the method that they perceived worked in getting them to a more tolerable state of mind. So the real transcendence of addiction are the thoughts that are driving the negative state of mind because once those are changed, there's no more negative state of mind. And once there's no more negative state of mind, there's no more need for the Mm. addiction.
0: So that goes back to your I am statements.
1: Correct. It, it, it goes back to what is it that's causing that negative energy, be, energy to be generated in the mind that has been deemed intolerable, whereby the ego immediately is in an all-out race to find something that will lift that state of mind to where they believe they can tolerate life amongst the many addictions from drugs to alcohol to sex to uh, shopping to uh, cosmetic surgery. Now, it's interesting because none of these experiences are right or wrong in life in general. There's nothing right or wrong about them. Right or wrong is based on the individual and how they feel that it's destroying or not destroying their life. That's when it becomes right or wrong. Um, and obviously for many addicted people, it, these, these addictions, because the, the ego is so focused on that for survival that all other morality or right or wrong or any other uh, normal processing of of what should be done is completely wiped off the map in lieu of getting the quote fix and getting that state of mind back to tolerable.
0: You You talk about the Uh, emotions of guilt uh, about past mistakes as being uh, not necessary or not helpful or you show how to release them. Can you expand on that?
1: Yeah. This is one of the very key aspects of all the material and what I talk about at at the end of section three, which is the last section um, in self-awareness before we get to the creative process in part four, um, is that the biggest limit on self-love, are the false concepts of guilt, shame, and regret. Because as it relates to the release of more self-love, these concepts are poison. They are worthless concepts. They are man-made concepts designed to manipulate and control in order to quell people's fears of others who aren't conforming to what they want them to do. So they shame them and guilt them and use regret with them in an effort to manipulate them into new behavior. So it's just the way that we've evolved and used these ideas. But now we may be making new choices as it relates to the release of more self-love. So guilt is looked at as something I, I should have done differently or I'm guilty for that. You aren't guilty now for it. You were guilty of doing that or responsible for creating that. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that in the past. The problem comes in when you state in this moment, I am guilty. Because if you're stating, I am guilty, on some level of your subconscious, you are sending an instruction to your ego to find an experience again in the world that will allow you to know that that's true. So the only way to true freedom is to release yourself of any guilt in this moment. Because in this moment, you're perfect. That was who you were. It is not who you are unless you decided to be so. And it's the same thing with shame. And it's the same thing with regret. Regret says, I I could have or I should have done better, I would have, could have, would have, and should have. Three lies. Um, The truth is what you did. And if you could have done better, you would have. That is the simple truth of it. There is no other truth. So acknowledge that that was part of the process and part of the learning experience, which takes you into the present moment now, allows more self-love, and starts you on a new creative path of demonstrating and honoring that self-love. It's a very, very powerful part of the book.
0: It really is. Uh, and it's reflected by so many wisdom teachers, uh, you know, from Eckhart Tolle onwards, that now is really the only time that matters, and in this moment is when you can create your reality.
1: That's right. And, you know, it's all well and good to say that, too. You know, now is the only time that matters, and, and to get into the now, but for many millions of people out there, they have no concept of what that means. What do you mean get into the now? What does that mean? I I don't, you know, I'm here now. But what really drives the person into the now is not any thought of getting in the now. It's a state of understanding that automatically places them in the now because they have liberated their mind of the baggage and the past of would've, could've, should've, or the fear of the future. So really... The path to now is not thinking I need to be present, I need to be present. That doesn't work most of the time. It's the path of self-awareness. It's the path of self-reflection and self-cleansing of what is weighing you down from being in the present moment, more of your steps in life. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to point out, because I think it's really important um, for people to understand the process that automatically generates that state of presence,
0: you, you were talking about um, in the context of, of guilt um, and, and pressure, peer pressure, pressure from outside. Um, we do tend to look outside for approval and for validation which many consider normal. Now, you're suggesting that we change that particular practice.
1: Well, I'm suggesting that the best path for you to be the most whole, loving, conscious being possible is for you to find peace with your own self. And that may mean Releasing yourself from, as Wayne Dyer once said, the good opinion of other people. Because people want to make you feel bad for what you did to quell their own fears or for their own intentions. But once you realize that you don't have to answer to anyone but yourself and that the only true approval you ever need in life is your own, that is when you're truly liberated. To follow your path. And it doesn't mean you're not acknowledging what you did in the past that someone tells you you're guilty of. You're not, you're not uh, removing yourself from that responsibility or the way people will treat you because of that's how they've tuned to you for their own survival, so they have to remember that. You're, you're not being ignorant to that. You're fully acknowledging that, but you're now doing it from a place of understanding that this is the only moment you have. And in this moment, you're perfect. Yes, that was the past. I can't change it. Okay? And I'm sorry that you feel that way. But that's not who I am anymore. And that's it. And if they don't believe you, guess what? By the demonstration of who you are over time, they will. They will retune to the new you, and the old you will fade away. Quickly. Because life adapts to what is. And you're generating that for other people in their view, in their minds, in every thought, feeling, and action, every time you're with them. So anything can be changed in any moment. That's what's so hopeful about any relationship or any experience, whether it's relationships you have with your kids or, or friends or, or um, with your creative desires. That can be cultivated, nurtured, and changed right now, beginning right now. Now, there's a process to that. But when you demonstrate that this is who you are and you continue to put that love and energy out before you know it, your world changes and what you experience from it changes.
0: You had some really good advice on dealing with stressful situations. How do you think we should handle them?
1: Well, it depends. Again, I always go back to it depends on what your intention is. If your intention is to be calm and in your most power for creative growth and to actually change the situation or have an impact on it, the stress most likely is not going to serve you in in that effort. So the stress usually comes from fear, and if you peel the onion back on fear, it's coming from the fear of my survival in some way, shape, or form that I feel is necessary, whether it's I'm stressful about my job or I'm stressed about my relationship or I'm stressed about my finances, so it leads to a fear, which leads to survival. So it's to take a minute and just breathe and realize that the stress is coming from a projection of most likely the worst-case outcome when you're dealing with a sea of infinite possibility. In other words, there are millions of other potential outcomes that can occur. And just that thought alone can give you enough of a breath to relax and go, okay, that may not be the only outcome that occurs. I am going to survive. That, that's another one is the idea of survival in general. Um, and this goes a little bit deeper, Miriam, but once you realize that it is your survival that is never in doubt, you've gotten through millions and millions of years of, of transformation just to be here. You've gotten through every other aspect in this lifetime that you thought you'd never get through, but yet here you are. And once you realize that that's not in doubt, that takes another little bit of a breath off you. And you start to see, as as I've said before, when this transformation happened to me, I realized that things are not happening to me. They are happening for me. And that Ah. took a significant amount of stress out of that happening. And I looked at it and I was able to take a breath and see what is life trying to offer me through this challenging experience.
0: Right. Offer you, teach you, exactly. help you grow.
1: Because, because every experience,
0: every single
1: experience that you have is related to that growth, is related to a question that you've asked or a desire that you've prayed for or something. So if you prayed for a, a more loving relationship, the conflict that you're experiencing right now at this moment in your current relationship is there to reveal something to you about the path to that desire. If you Mm -hmm. ask for a better job and you have an experience at work that's just horrible, same thing.
0: You say that we have infinite creative potential. How do we exercise that?
1: Well, it starts with an intention. What is it? What's the most pressing thing right now that you're looking to create in your life? Once you know that, then you can begin the questions. How do I? How does this come together? How do I create this? Once you ask the questions, then the next thing is to be open to see how the the answers make their way into your reality because they're coming in in every single moment, as I said before, just like this moment right now. Once the information comes in, that's what gives you the opportunity to take that information in and benchmark it against what you used to believe was true to see if you're ready to change those truths or those I am statements. And if you are, because there will be a requirement for certain I am statements to create what you want and to, to create in life, once you are, you'll begin to make those new statements in your, in your mind, and then those statements require that you demonstrate the truth of those statements through your thoughts, feelings, and actions. So what are you doing to create what it is that you're looking or what it is that you desire in your life
0: well that, that's, that's actually a refreshing that's a refreshing change on on the usual law of attraction gurus who talk about visioning but they forget to mention that you actually have to take the action
1: right and you have to take the action and So once you question, once you receive the answers, once you make new statements about who you are, and then once you take the action that begins to create the conditions, the last um, ingredient, the last magical drop in the pot is faith. And it's a faith that comes from the fact that you're here now, that you've gotten through everything just to be here, and that your life is a creation of your thoughts, which should give you tremendous faith that ultimately what you want will come to be or you will be faced with the information that shows you what it will evolve into for you. So when you throw that last bit of faith in there, that's what keeps you going. That's what keeps you in a peaceful state of mind. That's what keeps you in joy and in love instead of in fear. So that's a very shortened version of the creative process in part four of the book, um, uh, which is obviously much more extensive in the book, uh, but that's the short version of how it all comes together.
0: Faith is, is a tricky question, isn't it? Um,
1: tricky concept because of the semantics.
0: It, it has gotten a bad thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, because it it used to be about, uh, you know, religion uses it as just have faith that you don't need to know the answers, that, you know, the plan is is set out for you, and and it's not for you to understand, and you just need to have faith. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have the same idea of that. Faith to me is a faith in the nature of who you are and what's possible of you, which is anything, a faith in this universe. I mean, all you have to do really, and this was part of my experience when I was a kid, is go outside on any clear night in the wilderness and look up. If, if that doesn't bring you faith, when you see that amazing, astonishing masterpiece in the sky, uh, it's, I don't, it, it takes me beyond words when I look at that. I, it's, it's almost beyond the mind. Almost, I say. Uh, but I don't believe it is. I believe we can't understand it. Um, so it's really about a faith in who you are and the perfection of your own self, because there is nothing but perfection.
0: How do we experience joy? How do we experience peace?
1: Well, joy and peace come from the harmony in our daily walk with what we believe to be true about who we are in our world and what we experience from it. So when you're in a place in your daily walk, where you stop expecting the world to conform to what you believe to be true and see the perfection of it is, that it is as it is right now. That's when you're in your most powerful state. That's when you're in joy. That's when you're in peace. And it's not joyful because you see some of the bedlam and chaos in the world, but you're joyful because you understand that there is a perfection that underlies it. And it's always for you because the eternal question is not what's happening, but who do you want to be in relationship to what's happening? Do you want to get sucked into the drama and get upset about it and then be less effective in your daily walk of spreading joy and love to the people around you? Or do you want to trust and have faith in the universe and the emergence of consciousness and what it's revealing so that you can be in the most powerful state to create it in the way that you desire.
0: That's a very powerful message. Howard, what, what is your greatest hope for this book? How would you like it to be used?
1: Well, my greatest hope is that it serves the largest amount of people who are looking for the answers to their own life and their own self-understanding and that it brings people the most amount of joy and love that they're looking for. I mean, that's my hope all over the world uh, for this material, and it'll continue to be my, my path to present it so that people have that opportunity to experience the material. So that's, that's my biggest hope. I am humbled and, and graced beyond words for the experience that was bestowed upon me, and, and I just want to let everybody know that this experience, this information, the life that they would like to experience is there for them, too, because they are equally as perfect and worthy as anybody else who's experienced it.
0: The difference between you and them is that you asked the question and you were open to the answers. Would you say that's right?
1: Uh, The second half, for sure. Everybody asks questions. I think that I was ready to change my mind. I was ready to let go of what I believed to be true without any fear of what that meant as it relates to who I am. And what ended up happening was it expanded the idea of who I am. It didn't decrease it. So I didn't have any fear about it, and that's what allowed it to come in. And most people, that happens when they're in finally just the most intolerable place possible of suffering. But it doesn't have to get to that level. It can happen right now to you if you're just ready for that change. And if you're not, that's perfectly fine, too. It'll be more of a staged process or um, more of an escalator or an elevator as it relates to expanding this information, rather than maybe a, a rocket ship. So it can come in all different ways, shapes, and forms.
0: I'm all in favor of rocket ships, personally.
1: <laughs> well, it, it's it's certainly the quickest experience, but it's not for everybody because uh, it's you know it can it's a lot of information to digest, but it, it can be too. So yeah, it's. Um, but that's what life's all about. That's what's so exciting. It's about the process. It's about the unfolding time um, as it relates to the expansion of awareness of who we are. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful, magnificent, and um, there's such an elegance to it, Miriam, uh, to this universe, such an incredible elegance.
0: Do you have the sense, or did you get the sense when you were you know, having that numinous experience that there is something special about this time that has caused this to happen now? Because I'm, I'm hearing of experiences like this with greater and greater frequency. You know, we,
1: we might be at a point in our evolution where um, things are speeding up, but they've always sped up. Um, you know, at each stage in the process of human evolution, everybody thought, wow, this is amazing uh, that this is happening now. And now it seems to be moving, since we've kind of exhausted all the outer things on the planet. I think it's moving more inward to our mind and and the evolution there rather than the evolution of matter outside of us. So yeah, I think that we're turning the eye inward on ourselves like never before. I mean, all you have to really do is look at reality TV and the explosion of that. You want to talk about the human eye looking on itself in every different scenario possible um, through through television. That's what's happening. Consciousness, it's turning its eye on itself. Um, and so this is a part of that process. Um, but it's, 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 it's very, it's very exciting. I'm, I'm very, very hopeful for humanity. Um, you know, again, I don't believe that it's a question of if any of us are going to survive. We're, we're here now. We've always been here. Uh, but it's a question of how, and I think what we're learning, Miriam, is that there's much more power that we each have in the how than we ever imagined possible.
0: Well that's an amazing note to to end on. Howard, how do people find out more about your work?
1: Well, you, they can go to the website for the book which is www.thebookiam.com, or they can go to my website uh, where they can find much more information there as well about my uh, schedule and blog and the book which is uh that's f a l c o uh, dot, uh dot .com. Uh, and of course, I'm on Facebook as well under Howard Falco.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. And the
1: book's available everywhere. So,
0: Oh, and I might uh, add that it was published by Tarcher?
1: Uh, Tarcher Penguin, right. Tarcher uh, Penguin. Tarcher Penguin.
0: Right. And through NC Review. A word from yes. our sponsor. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, through NC Review.
0: Well, that's it for this week, and thank you so much for joining us on NCR Radio. So until next time, I will leave you with these quotes for the day. Eleanor Roosevelt said, The purpose of life, after all, is to live it, to taste, experience to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experiences. And Albert Einstein said, Imagination is everything. It's the preview of life's coming attractions. Goodbye and God bless.